All right, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, we are back with another exciting episode. I have my new good friend here, Sid Masan here, and he is here, he says, to help us make 100000 per year on YouTube. Is that right, Sid? That's right. We shall see. We shall see <laughs> on this current episode, this amazing episode of The Authority Project. All right, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, feast your eyes and tune your ears. It's that time again. We are live with another episode of The Authority Project. It's the video podcast streamed on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and Periscope, where we talk to digital marketers, business coaches, and creators of all kinds on how they've built authority in their field and how you can mimic their success. Developing authority, building your audience, and attracting better clients to your own business. Now, without further ado, let's bring to the virtual stage your host, Brian S. Arnold. All right, we are back with another episode of The Authority Project. And I am here, yes, again, with Sid Masan here. And I am excited to help you discover how to make 100000 per year on YouTube. Sid, how you doing, my friend? I'm doing good. How about yourself? I'm doing great. Great. It's great weather for the winter right now here in Boston. So I'm very excited about that. It's the same here in Canada. We've had a very weird winter, but I'll take it given everything else that's happening. <laughs> definitely. Definitely. So let's dive right in. Actually, no, let's not dive right in yet. Let's first of all, tell people who you are personally and then professionally. Sure. So I'm uh, Sid Missand. I'm 34 years old. I uh, grew up most of my life in Canada and uh, I was like a lot of immigrant kids. I was, you know, told to go to university, get a good degree, like being an engineer, a doctor or a lawyer, and then get a job and get married and have kids. And that's life. And I soon learned that was not the life for me necessarily. As I worked in the professional world, I really started to see that maybe being an entrepreneur was for me early on in my career. That's great. Awesome. Awesome. So what what is your current project that you're working on now? Is it just the channel or something else? Well, I, I still have my day job with everything going on. I went to school to be an engineer. I spent five years in school. I almost got kicked out of school after my first year. <laughs> I didn't take it very seriously. And then I straightened out in my second year. And I worked for a couple of years and realized the corporate climbing the corporate ladder wasn't for me and I wanted freedom. And I originally started out as a dating coach. Mm -hmm. I had met my wife through a dating coach okay. and I thought, okay, I'm going to help guys write dating profiles. And I did that for a couple of years. And I realized that being a coach wasn't for me because you're dealing a lot with hearing people's problems and bless people who do that. I couldn't do that. And I started YouTube and I took me about three, four years to find my niche, but I finally have it, which is my current project, which is rock and roll true stories. Awesome. Awesome. So before we get right into the nitty gritty, tell us right now what your daily routine looks like. So my daily routine is I get up pretty early. I go to bed really early. I get up at five o'clock in the morning or so. And on my YouTube channel, we tell a lot of stories about rock and roll across a very long time period from the 60s to now. And a lot of my morning routine centers around planning what's coming up for that week. Uh, what scripts am I writing? What stuff am I going to be doing voiceovers for? What, what kind of stuff do I need to be editing? So it's basically planning out how my week's going to go and answering emails. So I do that really early in the morning when nobody's awake, including my wife and my daughter. And once the day starts around eight and I really start editing, I'm just usually mostly doing video production for most of the day. 
and trying to get stuff done three, four weeks ahead of time for my channel. Awesome. Awesome. So let's dive into, before we get into the really big stuff, tell us how you got to this point in the first place. Like, how'd you get to the point where this is it, what I'm doing right now on YouTube? It really happened. I graduated in 2009. There was no jobs at that time, which is, it's probably even worse now with everything going on. And I worked in the corporate world as a project manager. I loved it more than anything. Just managing these awesome, complicated projects with different personalities and people with technical backgrounds and you're working as a team. And it was around 2013 that I tried to advance in the corporate world and I'm not the best at doing job interviews. It just wasn't working for me. And I saw my peers were way ahead of me and they were making more money than me. And, but I was still doing work that was probably a pay grade above what I was supposed to be doing. So I started to dip my toe into YouTube and it took me a while to find a niche, but it really wasn't until 2017. We had this massive reorganization at work where a lot of the people I really enjoyed working with left the organization. They went to other groups and people just started like disappearing. And it was just created a lot of anxiety for me. There was so much change in my life. My wife and I were trying to have a child at that time too, and going through miscarriage, which was just the worst year of my life. And I said, I got to have control over my life at this point. I want to be able to have freedom to do what I want and not be answerable to anybody. And that's when I started going all in on my YouTube channel. That became my main focus in life in terms of my career. And I was really driven to make sure that I succeed. I've always been driven, but when I started my career and working a couple of years, I always felt like I was meant to do something more than what I was doing at the time. And I think YouTube's that, that more I was looking for. Awesome. Did you have the expectation of being successful in the beginning when you first started? Was it just, let's see no, it, it works. Was, it, it was more of really, I started it because I wanted it to compensate for the fact that I wasn't moving up in the corporate world. Like it would make me a little bit of money to make up for the fact that I wasn't a senior project manager or something. So if I could make 500 to $1,000 a month, that was my goal. And okay. I had no idea I was going to become as successful as I was. Awesome. Awesome. So let's dive in now. So we're ready. How does one do this? Give us the blueprint, the 100K blueprint and how to get this done. I think the first thing, and I'm sure a lot of your listeners probably know what this is. You have to ask yourself, what are you passionate about? And what do you know more about than the average person does? For me, it was like, I always knew like these little tidbits of pop culture and music and rock and roll. I'm not really a huge musician myself, but I knew more about rock and roll than the average person you stop on the street. Like I'd remember obscure facts or something. Yeah. And the second thing you really have to do is look on YouTube and see who else is doing that in that niche. It's really a fine balance between finding something that's not too specific, but it's specific enough that you have a big audience. So for me, it was doing a lot of research and seeing who else is in that space. What are things they're doing really good? And what are the, some things that you could come in and fill those gaps? I think those are the two most important things. And then actually trying it. Like when I started my channel, if you watch some of my early videos, they were terrible. Like the audio was awful. The visuals were not good. It was just to see if there was an audience for it. And I left it alone for about a month or two and came back and I saw my audio, like my subscribers had grown. And I was like, wow, this is, there's something here. Okay. And then as time went on, my video production's gotten a lot better. My audio has gotten better. My graphics have gotten much better. It's just to, at the beginning, you got to be willing to test the waters and just see what's there. Did, did you get an idea from, from searching other channels that this could be something great from the beginning or something that could work? 
Yeah, because if you look at like the space I'm in, there's a lot of channels that tell like generic stories about a band. Like you take any band and, but what our channel does is we dive a bit deeper and we talk about specific events or specific stories that those channels don't really go into. And I think that's what our audience really connects with. Okay. All right. Okay. So can you give us some like step-by-step if somebody's just starting, what what should they be looking for? What should they be doing from step one to step three or step four? Do you have steps that you think that they should be climbing towards yeah so i think the first thing is yeah find out what you're passionate about and what do you know more than the average person simple as just writing out a list and seeing maybe you'll be more than one thing number two is to do your research and look on youtube and see who's in that space how big is their audience what do the comments say is this person an authority in that space already so maybe it's a difficult space to get into I think number three is having access to Google keywords or some sort of keyword research tool. VidIQ is a good one that I use. And you can see how many people are searching for that specific niche that you're actually in. And is there an audience there? Is there a lot of competition? Because those keywords do tell you, those tools tell you whether there's a lot of competition for that or not. And I think fourth is just testing it out, actually putting up videos and seeing are you getting a response to it or are you not? And I think the fifth thing is if, if you do start to get a response, I think it's important to be on these other channels like Instagram and Facebook and those kinds of things to tie everything back to your channel. Okay. Okay. I like the, I like the blueprint here. Okay. So are there videos that don't work on YouTube? You think in your experience? I think that's funny with YouTube. If you look at some of my most popular videos, I would have never thought they would have been as popular as they were. It's it's really, there's no blueprint, I would say, or there's no definite science to what will get you views every single time. Like for my channel, I'm a little more experimental. Like I'll put up a video from a somewhat obscure band from the 90s, but it'll get 100,000 views. But then yeah. a band that's more popular will get like half of those views. So <laughs> it's hard. But at the same time, one thing I've done to refine that is I really try to bring my audience in and help let them help guide the channel in terms of the content they want to see. So one thing we do, which a lot of other channels don't do is we have a Google form where people can go submit requests and say, I want to see stories on this. And then I can look at the data and see like, okay, there's tons of people talking about this band. And that's what I did yesterday. There was a band that got a lot of requests who I wouldn't have thought would have put it up Mm. and it got so many views. And it creates a good relationship with your audience. This is a person who listens to us. You get lots of nice comments. Thank you for doing this video. I'd requested this and that kind of stuff. So it creates a good bond between the creator and the audience. So you're building your community. By, yeah, by absolutely. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Okay. I've heard that too, where I was listening to Noah Kagan the other day. He's just trying to bump into his... No, Noah Kagan from AppSumo. He was like on his last live stream on YouTube. He was like... I, I guess he was expecting this one new episode to be killer. And he's like, oh... This didn't work. <laughs> this wasn't as many views. Is is that always the case where you just can't you just can't figure it out? Like you that like you when you have this expectation of this is going to be good and then not and then crickets. It can happen like that. For what I'm in, it's I talk about rock and roll. So like within rock and roll, there's a lot of niches, but I'm a little more generic. And you're absolutely right. Like you put up a video a couple of weeks ago and it gets two hundred thousand views in the span of a week, and then you put up a video you worked so hard on and you're so proud of and it gets like ten thousand views and yeah. You start to see patterns, like like I said, going through the Google Sheets and then also looking at what fans are saying, what they're requesting, what previous videos on those topics have done. You yeah. can definitely do that. I do find that during certain parts of the year, like where we're in now, January, the advertisers aren't paying as much. So I'm a little more experimental in terms of I'll do some stuff, more obscure stuff or stuff that I really wanted to do as like a pet project. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of disappointment that you deal with. That's just like life, right? Like 
you can't get everything you want. But at the end of the day, I always hold my head up high saying, I'm still proud of that video that I did that, that nobody else is talking about that. Awesome. So now I like, I want to focus in on a word you said, we, this is what we do. So most, a lot of people who are listening might be solopreneurs on here where, you know, they're, they're thinking about how this could be a lot of work. There's a lot of work trying to come up with a topic, trying to do the video, edit, and then in, at some points in time to promote the channel, right? So yeah, how much work gives, goes into all of this? And is it just you just doing the work? So to answer your first question, it's an enormous amount of work. The channel that I have now blew up a month before we had our first, like our first daughter. Mm -hmm. And I, I would have never thought that would happen. And I, I was, when I first started for the first year, it was me doing everything, doing the thumbnails, doing the script writing, doing the editing, the voiceovers. We've fortunately gotten to the size now where I'm still doing about 70% or 65% of the work, but I have a video editor now who helps me with some of my videos. I have an assistant who... Uh, does some of the back end stuff in terms of like subtitles and taking fan requests and like categorizing them. And then uh, we also have another assistant that helps us out like with social media. So as you get bigger, you have, especially if you're in a creative field, I think you have to relinquish some control so you can focus on your, uh, what you originally love doing. Cause I'll tell you, as you get bigger, you start dealing with business stuff that I wasn't enjoying as much. So if I could pass mm -hmm. that on to somebody else that, mm -hmm. then I would, as long mm -hmm. as it makes sense financially for you. So how does the, 100K come into the picture. Are you just talking about advertising, getting it from advertising? Are you selling things? What, is that, what, what does that look like? How are you looking at getting to that 100K per year? Yeah, for YouTube, there's a couple different ways. For us, the majority is through advertisements. You watch YouTube, one or two ads at the beginning or in the middle. Those advertisers make up a bulk of our revenue on our channel. Another way that a lot of people make money is through Patreon. So a lot of advertisers have a Patreon where you can actually donate directly to your creator and they give you perks in return. So two bucks a month, you may get some behind the scenes stuff or some additional videos. Another one, we don't do it on ours, but a lot of other people will sell products. They'll use YouTube to sell their products. So maybe they're a coach. They want to sell a, a book or a course. They will normally do that. And you can link into the description box of the video. Another really common one, something we've done a little bit, but I don't do a whole lot is have sponsored videos. So brands will come to you and be like, let's negotiate. You can promote our product. We'll pay you X amount of dollars or give you a back end on the commission. Uh, something like that. I know for me, I'm, I would only do that for companies I actually believe in. I think I've only done it once or twice, but we'd get a lot of, once you get bigger, you get a lot of companies coming to you and asking for sponsorships. Okay. Okay. Do you, do you think that, is there good feedback from people? Cause I know people give you like, like bad input when the advertising is <laughs> not going around and good um, enough as, as it is. So. Yeah. I'd be really selective with mine. There are some YouTube channels that I follow that, especially in the fashion niche or fashion, like men's fashion, every video is centered on an advertisement and you can definitely feel that people don't like that. They don't want to feel like they're being sell, sold to every single time. So I try and only do endorse stuff that I would actually use or makes my life easier because to me, my time is valuable and I don't want to waste other people's time. Okay. Okay. And, and how long should one expect to get this revenue going? I, I know there's a lot of people who say it takes months, years, no, not much. For some people, maybe years, but how long, does it, how long does it take to really get that traction of seeing some good advertising money in your pocket? For for me, I started in January of 2019. It wasn't until the summer of 2019, like July or August of 2019, that I it almost like it was like 
it was such a huge change overnight. Like it wasn't replacing my day job, but it was getting very close to that. Okay. And by the summer, it was crazy. It almost felt like it was way bigger than I anticipated. There's no book that teaches you how to deal with having that level of success sometimes. And even now, like almost a year later, it's, it's enough that it replaces my day job. Okay. Okay. So that's amazing. So we're talking, about, we're talking about six months, basically. Yeah. Six months is when I started to notice like a huge shift because at the beginning I was only doing one video a week. And then okay. as I started to notice that uh, there was an audience for, I started to up that to three videos a week, then went to five. Oh, so okay. it's really important that you're consistent too. In terms of building that relationship with your audience, it's important to me that my audience knows what to expect from me. They know, okay, Sid's going to upload three videos a week. So they, I'm consistent in how I do my channel. And I always communicate that to them too. I'll tell them, hey guys, I'm going to scale back this month. I'm a little burnt out. We're going to do three videos a week. And they know that. The other thing that we really do that is uh, that my audience loves that I don't see any other creators doing is we give clues for what's coming that week or we tease them okay. and they try to guess what that's what's coming this week. And they always hit me up like Sid, how can we even put the clues up yet? It just builds <laughs> that, that interaction and that, yeah. that level of connection with your community. So I see one of my favorite YouTubers is MKBHD and yeah. he'll be on Twitter and he'll say uploading. Everybody's, everybody gets excited for a new video. <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, okay, you know, so we're all excited. Do you do yeah. something like that on your, on your other social channels like that or? Sometimes, yeah, what I'll do is I don't use Twitter as much as I should. Instagram is what we use a lot of. So what I'll do on Instagram is I'll show like behind the scenes stuff coming tomorrow, or it'll be like a screenshot of me editing something. And then people teases, like it's people who are exclusively on Instagram. They'll get to see that first or something. Yeah. Well, there's a, we do that every Sunday. We'll do the clues of what's coming on Monday, Wednesday, Friday. And I'll tell you, our subscribers are, they know their stuff. Cause there's sometimes I'm like, this clue's too hard. They'll figure it out anyways. <laughs> Awesome. Awesome. Okay. So I want to go back to, you said you started seeing some revenue at, on the sixth month. What type of view counts were you looking at that got you to that point where you're, were you getting like a thousand views or was it 10,000 or you? No, at that point it was probably like close to 80,000 to a hundred thousand views a day in terms of how Google AdSense counts it. In YouTube terms, because sometimes they'll show two ads per uh, video, so they'll count that as two views. But if you're looking at just strictly YouTube statistics, it was probably 50 or 40 to 50,000 views a day. Currently, and how many, sorry, yeah, and how, and how many subscribers were you, were, were you at, at that point? At that point, at six months, I was probably at 40 to 50,000 subscribers. Good, good, good. I hope, I hope everybody's writing this down and getting the counts together. Because I think people want to see some kind of expectation like, where should I be at in six months? If I'm, if people are like, I'm not seeing anything. If, if people aren't seeing anything in their videos, you think after what month should they be thinking about maybe trying something with a different niche, you think? I think after a couple months, there's a, there's also a couple different ways you can go promote your content. If you're not, if you want it to get, reach beyond YouTube, you go on Facebook, you could go on Reddit is Reddit's got so many subreddits of any kind of niche that you can post stuff on there and people can like it. I find that with my content, YouTube gives you pretty detailed stat breakdowns and they show you that it says that a lot of people share my content. So what's good about my channel, fortunately, is people share it, but they don't go specific enough where they tell you exactly where it's been shared. But I, I do think a lot of it's on Facebook and on social media. Okay. 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 So let me go back to the beginning when you said when you first started, the quality was it was was terrible. 
I think a lot of people have this anxiety. Maybe I don't have a good camera. How do I start start off doing these great videos when they see all these other great other great people looking looking great and spectacular on right. their videos? And they have this. Why should I even start? All I have is a phone. I have a or I have a camera that's okay. Tell them where you started and and maybe how they can go from day one to where you are now. Yeah, like for me, I don't show myself in the actual videos I do. It's more like stock footage mixed with pictures and stuff. For me, when I started day one, we were living in a townhouse that had the most echoey living room ever, and <laughs> we didn't have a. My clothing closet wasn't big enough that I could actually just walk in there and do audios. So I had to start with a cheap USB mic, but it was good enough that people would stay through to the videos. If you're starting out on YouTube and say you want to use your phone to capture videos, the phones that you get today, they can capture pretty good video and you just may need to invest in an external microphone, which are not that expensive. So the actual initial setup costs are not that much. And most people's computers, if you're using a Mac, it comes with iMovie, which is what I used at the very beginning to edit all my movies. I know to a lot of, we worked with a YouTube coach and they told us the biggest thing that people care about is audio. Like as long as you get the audio to sound somewhat decent, that's all that matters. And second, if you're presenting content that's valuable to people, then they'll sit through it and they'll you know want to consume more of it. Yeah, because I listened to some of my original videos. It sounded like I was in a fishbowl, but it was still clear enough that people enjoyed the content. But it's funny, as your quality improves, I've had some people say, I miss the original videos you used to do, really like really bad quality. It almost felt like a public access show. That's amazing. So I think something that I always say too, from some of my students, like I will say that your content will carry you. If the content is good enough, you think. Yeah. And I think people will, will, will hang around and, and listen to you. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. Like just before we got on here, my wife was watching some YouTube channel and he has 300,000 subs. I'm like, oh, his audio is not that good compared to guys who have 6 million. But it's the content that people care about. If you're presenting something that they can't find elsewhere and uh, you are you have a great community and you're interacting with those people, then I think people will stick through it. Yeah, great stuff. That This is great. So I want to get to the point when we, we got about we're coming up against it but i want to get some, some more questions in here what is the time that should be sent out as far as videos i know you you put ads on there you want to get the revenue from ads so do you do you make sure that it's at least 10 minutes or 20 minutes what, what, what do you think about that it fluctuates based on your time of season of course the last quarter of the year is the heaviest revenue generating period for me I only do videos as long as they need to be. And that's what my audience has told me. They said, we love that you don't do 30 minute videos just for the sake of ad revenue. For me, I'm trying to just get a story across and tell it in a concise way, but keep it interesting. What I'm, where I'm at now is I've scaled back the number of videos I'm doing to three a week instead of five. And I'm trying to do longer form videos that are story driven. So I try to do a couple of videos that are at least eight minutes and I do one in the middle of the week that's four to five minutes. So okay. depending on how busy people are, if they don't have time for an eight minute video, they can still consume like a five minute video. Yeah. So it really, because on, on my videos, I noticed my watch time is pretty high, like 60 to 75%, which is a lot higher than the average YouTube video. Most of them are around 50% is considered good. So I try to keep it interesting and moving. I don't try to put unnecessary stuff in there just to get ads. I, I want people to take something away from that story that, that they wouldn't find elsewhere. So what is your current subscribers account right now? That's We're at, I think, 221. 220. So in almost two years, we've hit 221,000, which is just, I would have never thought in a million years that we would have hit that. So do you get those, like those accolades from, e from YouTube? Like yeah. Email? I, oh shoot. I should have brought that with, I, I got a plaque. It's a silver play button. You get that for a hundred thousand subscribers. 
yeah, I should have brought it. But it, it was funny because when I hit 100,000 subscribers, it was March, I think, of last year. It was COVID happened. And YouTube had all these things like, oh, you may not get it for months and months because of COVID and the postal system. But it showed up pretty fast. And then the next one is a million subs. You get like a dime. I think it's a gold play button. And then 10 million, which I don't think I'll ever hit, but who knows? It, that's like a diamond play, uh, button. It's like a diamond uh, model, I think. Yeah, I've seen it. Yeah. That is worth more to me than my college degree. Like when I got that, I that was career wise, that was the most important thing I've ever achieved in my life. It's, it's, I like how they do that because you, you feel like you've achieved something. You feel like this is what my work, I, I'm, I'm being rewarded for, for the work I've done. And they reward yeah. you. I think there's something about that, especially in the last little bit, like having some sort of achievements or awards to work towards. I've always been that kind of person who's goal oriented. Like I set my goals on getting that. And now I don't think about it too much. Now I'm like, I want to focus on getting a million subs and go on to the next goal. Awesome. This is great, man. What is the reason why people fail at this? Why do they don't get the traction like you have seen in your experience? I think there's a couple different reasons. I think number one is that they're not in a good niche. It really is a balance of finding something that's small enough that a lot of people aren't doing it, but has a sizable audience. There's a lot of people on YouTube who try to do everything. And I think that's too generic. So mm -hmm. I think number one is you need to be in a good niche and you need to do your research. Number two is that YouTube is a grind. I think people I work with, it's so funny. They tell me what they think YouTube is. You put out one video and you make a million bucks. It doesn't work that way. Like you have to work hard. You have to grind away at it for months on, or even years on end. And it is something that you need patience. And some people I don't think have that patience and they don't want to devote the time to it. I think the biggest thing is just burnout. And, and number two is just not being in the right niche or category. Like we talked about earlier, you don't have to have the best production, but it's all about your message and your content. Okay. Do you mind if I give you a few more questions? I know I'm going. Oh yeah, yeah absolutely. absolutely. Okay, so uh, what about reach? Because I know that people, when I'm, I'm putting on stuff on YouTube, where I'm, they're like the hashtags, what hashtags will get you people to get to you, to your site? What about reach? Are you doing things special where I'm going to put this particular hashtag on here so people can, who, are, who are searching will come to my site? Yeah. My like site. one thing, one thing we've started to do probably in the last uh, 10 months or so, and we've had an assistant help us with this is to try to max out your SEO stuff on YouTube. YouTube's I think the second most used search engine in the world after Google and it's owned by Google is to use subtitles and do everything you can to get your uh, video to get more visibility and ranking better using subtitles, maxing out your keyword descriptions, using hashtags, like you said, maxing out your description in your video, using end cards, using an attractive thumbnail. Basically vidIQ is one of the best things that we use is that it ranks your SEO score as you're uploading a video and tells you, okay, you've got this score out of a hundred. Here's what you need to improve. So it's telling you, here's what you need to do. So for us, we went back to a lot of our well-performing videos and just added uh, subtitles to them. And that can help boost the SEO. And that's one of the things our assistant was helping us with. So it's really important you max out your SEO. Think of YouTube as like a web page or a blog and you want to you know, use keywords and those SEO friendly things. And YouTube's really no different. So I, I want to, I know you didn't dive into this too much, but you said you use a, a YouTube coach. Why is that? Well, we used a YouTube, we, not anymore, but we used a YouTube coach when we had uh, finished our first year. So from January of 2019 to December of 2019, we had about 88,000 subscribers. 
And at that point, my video production was still the same. Like it was pretty awful. And uh, we, I felt like I wanted to get expertise and I've always been the kind of person who seeks out guidance and help from people who have a lot more experience than me. And I was hoping that was something I could learn from. So we had worked with Tim Schmoyer, who's like a certified YouTube coach. And he looks at your channel. He basically gives you recommendations on things you can improve. And I remember he said to me, Sid, there's seven things you need to do in order to grow your channel. And you're doing none of them. Or it was like some sort of very sobering <laughs> assessment. And he gave us some really good guidance and tips in terms of improving our production quality, in terms of talking to a lawyer, in terms of like copyright stuff, and mm. just books that we should read in terms of like how to connect with your audience even more. And yeah, he gave, the best piece of advice he ever gave me was to go improve your audio and go sit in your closet and record. And that did wonders for improving our audio. Because I used to get a lot of comments from subscribers saying, your audio is not that good. You should do this or get a better mic. Ever since I made that one change, I never get any complaints really. Or it's very rare I get complaints about my audio. Awesome. And from the time that we worked with him to a year later, we had seen like 160% increase in subscriber growth. So we went from 88,000 to 214,000 subs in that one year since working with them. And we did less videos, which was interesting too. Great stuff. Great stuff, man. So my last couple of questions go like this. You do like pretty much curated contact with voice over work yeah. on top. There are so many different avenues for YouTube. If people think it's like the ultimate platform, because you can be like, you can do Music, full-fledged music videos. You yeah. can do like interviews on there. You can be a comedian, just do that kind of work. You have full-fledged political stuff on there. Yeah. Well, do you think it's easier to do, to maybe start doing some curated content or you just think that you should do what you feel best at, what you're best at? I think you should do whatever you feel most comfortable with. I know for me, I'm not a huge fan of putting myself in front of the camera. So for me, voiceover curated content like that was more comfortable for me. There's some people who are amazing personalities on YouTube and just from their own personality themselves, like people will gravitate, gravitate towards that person. So I think it really comes down to what you feel comfortable with. Cause if you're not comfortable on camera or behind a microphone, people can use, people can usually tell. Like I know for me, I feel more comfortable behind a microphone, but I still was shy and I still didn't really, I wasn't used to doing that kind of content. And it took me a, a little while to warm up and I'm still learning and trying to get better at it but you need to really do what makes you feel comfortable awesome awesome stuff man so i have one last question hope i got everything right hope i got everything out, out there for everybody <laughs> on this i go go for a while here but one last question is this there are people out there who want to do exactly what you're doing said they want to go onto youtube they want to make uh, an impact uh, with their with their message or make some kind of living on there or trying to make a difference uh, with what they're doing uh, for the world, for themselves or for the world as well. Similar goals, similar interests as you. Can you tell them, and I'll put you front and center, can you tell them how they can become an authority in this space? So I think it's important to go back to what we were talking about and that's to really ask yourself, what do you feel like your where your passions are and what is something that you know more about than the average person does? And like I said, going through those steps of seeing what's on YouTube, 
what are some things that people are doing good and what are some things they're maybe not doing so good? And how does that person's knowledge of that specific niche or topic relate to what maybe you'll watch somebody who's supposed to be an authority, but you see a lot more, or you can fill in gaps. I think that's a great starting point on YouTube and it's great for your confidence too to start doing that. So I think it's really important to do the research, to put yourself out there and do something you're comfortable with, whether it's putting yourself on camera or speaking behind a microphone and then seeing how people react to you and seeing what that audience is. If you're somebody that people gravitate towards, I think you'll see a lot of growth on YouTube and your audience will follow you, you know, wherever you go. So whether it's selling a product or having a course or just sticking with you on YouTube, there's a lot of potential out there for people to, to undertake. Great stuff. I love it, man. Great stuff. Hope everybody got a, a lot out of that. Yeah. 100K, we're thinking 100K per year on YouTube, people. But you got to do the work. Got to be consistent. At least start, I would say, at least start once a week with one video. Yeah, I, I started doing once a week. And, and most importantly, you got to love what you do. Because you're going to be doing this night in, night out. Uh, for me, I love rock and roll. So talking about it all the time wasn't a, a problem. But for you have to really ask yourself, do you love it that much? Yeah. One, one last question before we get out of here. What is your editing time look like with video? Because I know what, what, when I'm when I'm doing when I go full bore on now I'm doing now my editing my podcast. I didn't really want to do it, but I'm starting to do it now. Mm -hmm. But two or three hours maybe on a half an hour episode for audio. So what is it like for video for you? Yeah, for video, uh, there's usually two types. So if it's a five minute video, which I was working on this weekend, I'm looking at about an hour and a half to two hours just of editing time and then an additional hour for writing that script and then probably a half an hour for doing the thumbnail for longer videos which i'm doing more commonly now like a 10 minute video or longer that's probably a four to five hour editing time just to edit it and writing the script can take three four hours as well on top of it yeah it's, okay. it's a lot of time and hours but and it's especially crushing when you put something out there and you don't get the response you were hoping for <laughs> But at the end of the day, I, I choose topics that I'm passionate about and that I want to talk about, but at the same time, balancing that with stuff that my audience wants to see too. Okay. And I, I before, I, I'm sorry, but I, I got one more question. I'm sorry. Oh yeah, no, no, go ahead. Go ahead. The, and this is the, like, like the, one of the biggest things, the thumbnail. You yeah. said you spent, you spent a half an hour on that. Sometimes. What do you, what do you that as far as that thumbnail thing? It seems like it's, that's the mystery of it all. The thumbnail thing is funny because different people will tell you different things. Of course, it has to be catchy. I always like to have some sort of graphic. If I'm talking about an artist, I'll have a picture of them, something that shows some sort of emotion rather than just like a, and it has to be close up, like something that's a close up of their face showing some sort of emotion and having enough words that people can get a sense of what the video is about, but not being too text heavy. So on mine, I usually have four lines of text and then a photo with a white outline to kind of emphasize the photo. So it's got to be catchy, but you don't want to be like too clickbaity and under delivering, like having a title that has nothing to do with the video. People want to click it and then they want to learn something and feel like they got something of value from it. Awesome. Great. We're done. I got, <laughs> I pummeled you with enough questions today. People get, get a whole, let's rock this YouTube thing. I, I think you got the blueprint pretty much here today. So Sid, tell people where they can find you after the show. Yeah. So if you want to find our channel, you can just go to rock and roll true stories on Google or just on YouTube. And right now we're putting up three different rock and roll stories a week. And we have 
some really amazing stories from the outrageous to just interesting to how albums are created from the 60s to now. I, I was a child of the 90s, so a lot of my stuff tends to gravitate towards the 90s period of music. Nice, nice, nice. I think I think you have you, know, you can can they show they can get you on Instagram too and Facebook yeah. as well. Yeah, they can go to Instagram backslash rock and roll true stories and then Facebook backslash R and R true stories. Awesome, awesome. This has been great, man. I'm glad to get get you on here, and I'm excited to really try to do some other things for my YouTube. <laughs> now that <laughs> I've gotten this little, little bit of a blueprint here for us, so everybody. It's still, I'm still saying Happy New Year to you guys. Sign up at theauthorityletter.com. Join that list and build your authority platform. I got a three-part video series and actually more videos. And, and I write every week to you guys about the real deal. Very transparent letters that you, and probably too transparent about the online marketing industry and how you can get started building your platform. So that's there with that, done with that. And we're good to go. Anything else before we get out of here, Sid? I just want to thank you for having me on. It's it's a real pleasure to be on. Thank you. I appreciate it. I, I'm honored to have you on here. I'm so glad to get you get you a spot on here for sure. So everybody, take care. Remember, build it, share it, and they will come. You got the blueprint. Go ahead and apply it. And we're out. And that's a wrap for this episode of The Authority Project. Thanks so much for tuning in. And if you like what you heard, we want to hear from you. Subscribe, rate, and give an honest review. Share and tell your friends so they can hear too. And for even more authority-building tactics, be sure to sign up at theauthorityletter.com. Get free weekly content and ongoing digital product giveaways to help you on your entrepreneurial journey. We certainly hope you got a key takeaway or maybe an aha moment from today's broadcast. Just remember, it's your authority. Build it, share it, and they will come. Until next time.